I'm ready for the Word of God. You're going to have to pay attention. We're going to move right along because I wanted to be in the pulpit a little bit sooner than what I am right now. But we're going to talk about the unity of the believers. The unity of the believers. How many of you would like to move to a new level of anointing in your life, in your marriage, in your business, in your church? There's a direct correlation between unity and the anointing. Now, the word anointing, we're going to come back to anointing in a minute, but when there's anointing, there's power. So we're talking about power being released into your life. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for the fulfillment of your word here today in this place. And we thank you, God. We open up our hearts. We take authority over every distraction in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we receive the word of truth and life here today in Jesus' name. Now let's look at Psalms 113. We're going to read the whole chapter, all three verses. <laughs> Psalms 133 uh, is what I mean, 133. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. So in this scripture, one of the verse, words we see is the word dwell. In the Hebrew, the word dwell means has several meanings, but one of them was marry. One of them is live together, become one. It also says sit down as a judge, specifically as a judge, or in ambush. And I thought that was interesting, that that's what unity meant. There's a sense of power and authority as a judge to sit in authority. That's one of the things it means to dwell. We dwell together in a place of bringing forth judgment or ambushment against our enemy. Dictionary definition of the, of the next word of unity, uh, Hebrew first, unity... Uh, a, a unit together, so is one. And then a unit, uh, as far as the dictionary says, the state of being one, the art, state, or quality of forming a whole from a separate parts. Something whole or complete that is uh, com- compassed separate, or com- you know, separate parts together coming as a whole. So that's what unity means. Uh, Dwelling together, becoming as one. And you know, the scripture says, one shall send a thousand to flight, but two shall set ten thousand to flight. Now, the, uh, we, we see in the, we're going to come back to these verses, but let's just look at a couple of more verses in the New Testament as a witness that God desires for us to be one. God desires for us to move into that anointing that He's ordained when people come into agreement. And one mind, one accord. In Philippians, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. So I underline the word perfectly. He wants us perfectly joined together. And today we're going to take a look at what that means to be perfectly joined together. 
and to be of what? One mind and of the same judgment. In Philippians 1.27, this verse says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for, for the faith of the gospel. Our first example, when we take a look at Scripture, we should go back to God, to Jesus Christ, as our example, not someone else. So He tells us to be one and to have the same mind. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three in one, meaning that they are so close together, they're united so closely together that the Scripture calls them one. Now to me, that's amazing. But what that means is there is no force or nothing shall penetrate that bond. And we'll find out later in Scripture that God desires for you and I, the body of Christ, to have that same kind of bond in our life with one another, in relationship with one another. Now going back to Psalms 133 and verse 2, it talked about the ointment that ran down, and out the, uh, Aaron was anointed, and it ran down across his whole body. God looks, and we're talking about the unity of the whole body. It comes over the whole body of Christ. It says, and, and the word, when you use ointment, it's used to anoint. The word anoint means to consecrate or to set apart. It means to be set apart for the work of the Lord. And when set apart for the work of the Lord, it also implies that you are empowered to do whatever that work is to do. The Connection Church is anointed. How do we know that the church is anointed? We know the church is anointed because why? People get saved. People get healed. People get set free. People's lives are changed. The Connection Church has a pastor, Pastor TJ and Pastor Carrie Ann, who are anointed. How do we know? Well, if you've been under their ministry, you know that they're anointed because they, they, they see the hand and the move of God as they minister to others. We can take a look at the anointing, and there's different levels of anointing. Churches have different levels of anointing. Pastors have different levels. The individuals have different uh, 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 difference in their anointing. The versions of the Bible are anointed differently. Some versions of the Bible are just not anointed at all, especially those that says, when she created the heaven and the earth. That, there's no anointing in that one because it was he that anointed. So, so there's different anointings. And what we want to do is increase in that anointing in our life. And we see a pattern here in the Word as we take a look at the Scriptures here. There's a pattern of where the anointing, the unity brings the anointing. And then it brings something else. And, and we see that in verse 3 of Psalms 133, they said, this is where He commanded the blessing. In unity, there is the blessing. It says in Proverbs 
chapter 10, verse 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. Now, people get blessed today with money when they hit the lottery. But so many times it ends in misery. And, uh, but when God brings the blessing, He brings forth. So, it was, so He talks about that unity that came over the whole body. And God it comes into that and He brings forth a commanded blessing. How would you like the commanded blessing in your life, in your family, in your business, in your church? How would you like an increase of that? Say yes. Come on. Amen. I would. I want a whole lot more blessing. I I want more of the blessing of God. Why? Because this is what He wants. And the more I'm blessed, the more others are blessed. And the more I'm blessed, the more the world sees that Jesus Christ was sent by the Father. And we'll take a look at that verse in a few moments as well. So we see this pattern. Unity, anointing, blessing. God likes to speak to us in the pattern of threes, and we see another pattern here in these scriptures. So the benefits of being uh, of the unity. First of all, we become one. Why is that important? Let's take a look at uh, John chapter 17 and verse 21. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. Father and Son, one. But may the church, may the believers be one, that the world may know. That the world may know that Jesus was sent by the Father. In the little write-up for the message today, in our our, uh, email that went out, I said in there that I believe, or I said this is the, one of the greatest, the, this truth is fought more by the enemy than any other truth in the Bible. You said, well, hey, he's fighting salvation, that message. Well, this is the message of salvation. That the world may know. How many more will come to know Christ as the church becomes more and more in agreement and want? How many more will begin to see? We, we, we see so much division today. But how many more will see? So this is why the enemy comes to fight it. He hates marriage. He comes to fight marriage. We've been talking about marriage the last few weeks. And he, he, he hates that uh, relationship because it's an ordained relationship, covenant, institution which God created. And, and the enemy hates that. He wants to bring division. A house divided can't stand. So he comes... And he comes against the marriage because he hates that unity and that oneness. Uh, He hates uh, the unity in the church, so he comes to destroy the unity in the church. Why? Because all of that speaks that there is a Creator God and that Jesus Christ is His Son. And this is why the enemy comes to fight it. And I want you to know the blessings that God has ordained for you, and many of the blessings that you're waiting on are being fought by the enemy in this very area here. So as you grab a hold of this Word of God today, you're going to see a difference in your life. You're going to see a difference in your family. Jesus also said in Matthew 18, in verse 19, He said, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they they shall ask, 
it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. In verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Where two or three agree. Agreement in unity. Agreement is really what it means is to come into unity. So agreement is the place of power. I want you to remember that phrase. We've said it here a lot, but you're going to get a greater understanding of what that means in every aspect of your life. Agreement is the place of power. Here he said two or three agree, it shall be done. That's a release of the power of God from the throne of heaven to touch in whatever there that may be. The, it says in Judges over there that the, God's people, uh, that the men came together in battle and they were knit together as one. And what happened? Of course, they had the victory. They won the victory because they came together in one. So the power and the victory in battle comes with that agreement with God. United with Him. This is one of the things that pleases God. Uniting with Him with His Word. Again, we take a look at the Word of God and we come in agreement with the Word. This releases power in our lives. Any area of your life. Earlier, as Pastor TJ had us to pray and reach up and grab hold of whatever it was for God for us, then for that agreement, for you to agree and find the Word of God that deals with that issue in your life, come in agreement with it and watch the power being released. There's success in agreement with God. Agreeing with God and what He's doing in the world brings forth the blessing of God. Now what happens, or uh, not being in agreement, let's just take a look at an example. And a few weeks ago, Pastor TJ was preaching about the fear of the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord, there's unity. I want you to look in Acts chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 11 and 12. Now this verse is, we're just right after... Ananias and Sapphira had done their thing. They had lied to the Holy Spirit. They said they did one thing and, you know, their lives were over at that moment. But let's take a look at these verse, verse 11. And it says, And great fear came upon the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So here's what happened. Ananias and Sapphira listened to the voice of the enemy, and they gave heed to the voice of the enemy, and therefore they, had, they were no longer in agreement with the spirit of the things in which God was doing. And when they came out of agreement with the spirit of the, of the things that God was doing, then judgment came upon them. So here we, we see that when the, the fear of the Lord brought forth unity and unity was restored, what happened? It says many miracles began to take place. I prophesy to you today (laughs) that you're going to see the body of Christ in the world coming together greater and greater than ever before. And you're going to begin to see the miracles and the signs and waters begin to be released more and more in the world today because of the agreement of coming back together. So... In these particular verses and what happened with Ananias and Fire, and afterwards, and you go on and read the other verses, it said that multitudes were added to the church. And many came to Christ. And people were delivered and set free. And it said even devils came out of people. So uh, we see the victory of God being manifested as we come in agreement with what He is doing. Now, we're going to talk about several areas. One, the unity in the home. 
unity in business and in the church. And as we apply these principles, I want to teach you a little bit here about unity in the family. God has an order. His kingdom has order. He sets order in the church. He has set order in the family. And when we flow and come in agreement with God in the order that He has set forth, then we're going to receive those blessings. In the home, God has set the man and the wife as the head over the home. The husband over the wife, the two together over the children. You got that? Now, you, so that causes a lot of controversy sometimes when people don't understand it. But when you understand it, it's beautiful. When you understand it, it's wonderful. And we never submit to something that's sin and something that's not in line with the Word of God. But let's take this example here. There's a young man. He's a Christian. His parents are not Christian. And uh, he wants to go to Bible college. He's graduated from high school, very intelligent young man. He wants to go to Bible college, but his parents don't want him to go to Bible. They want him to go to doctor and go on to medical school and all this. Well, he goes to the pastor and gets counsel. The pastor is a wise man, and the pastor says, the Word of God says that you are in submission to your parents. Obey them. Do not go to Bible college, but go on and, and, and to, to the secular school. And you think, well, hey, that's against God, is it? Here's what happened. As they submitted, and see, this is what blows people's mind away. They think that, oh, you've got to do it a certain way. But when you are flowing in the, in the truth about obeying God and His order and structure, the blessing comes out. This young man went and we graduated, became a doctor. Then what happened to him? He became a missionary and he went into places where other missionaries could not go, but because he had that doctor and he was a doctor, he could go there where others could not go. You see, the hand and will of God was done. I had another lady came to me one Sunday morning. She said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay. And he goes, she says, I'm having a problem, blah, blah, blah. This at home, the enemy was giving her some trouble. And I said... I said, uh, she said, so I want you to pray for me. I said, well, have you asked your husband to pray for you and, and uh, pray over this? And she said, well, no. I said, why? Well, you know, he's not that kind of strong Christian, you know. And no, she's wanting somebody powerful to pray, you know, in her mind. And uh, uh, she didn't even give me these excuses. I said, and I mean, he's here in the church. I mean, you know, he was someplace. Anyway. So I said, I said, no, I ain't going to pray for you. I said, you go. That... He's the head of the house. He has the authority. That's his turf, not mine. The enemy's messing with you at home. You go to your husband, have him pray. And then, and then if you need help, you and your husband come to me and we'll pray together. So she went off. Next Sunday she come in, Oh, pastor, it worked. I said, what happened? So, well, I had my, my, he prayed a little simple prayer. I had no more trouble. It's all, you know. Hey, God sets an order and, and He gives us authority in those areas and, and uh, as we obey and move in that. Now, here's a husband and wife situation. And the husband has, you know, he's, he's, he's starting to miss it. He, he, you know, he, the, you know they've got a limited budget and he wants that convertible. There ain't no way. Man, I've got to have that convertible. She said, no, man, that, it's going to bankrupt us. You're gonna, you'll lose that car. It's just we can't handle those payments, blah, blah, blah. And they go on back and forth. Finally, she said, okay, it looks like your heart's set on. You're going to do it. I have, I'm, I'm going to submit to that. You know, she's giving her reasons and all that kind of stuff. He goes ahead and does it. A few months later, seven or eight months later, you know, of course, it's repossessed. She was right. He was wrong. But what happened was he repented, of course, and God continued the blessing on the house. There's a blessing on the house. 
Even if the man makes the wrong decision, the spouse will come. You you give your you you can put all the everything out on the table. Talk about it. But if you submit as God has put the order, the blessing won't be removed. There was restoration. The finances got fixed out. But here's the other lady. Here she did just the opposite of that. She fought. She screamed. No, 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 no. I'm standing. You know, claiming scripture and everything else. You know. And what happened? What happened in that situation? It was just one thing after another that continued to build, and they end up divorced, and the house fell. And we've seen it happen over stuff like that. You see, if you want the blessing of the Lord, how did I learn that? I learned that from making my mistakes. My wife, I had told, wrote a little note one time, said, "Honey, I promise I will listen to you." <laughs> she kept it for years in her pocketbook. But anyway, I pull it out every so often. <laughs> Say, you remember, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember those bad decisions. Okay, all right. Because he puts us together and gives us the help, and we work together, and we become what? One flesh, and when we stay together as one flesh, nothing will penetrate that bond, and that marriage will last. So that's just a little bit about marriage, okay? All right, so here's the principle. So I hope you understand that principle. And uh, in business, the same kind of thing. A house divided cannot stand. We must submit one to another. We won't go any further into that. Agreement in the church. Let's take a look at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And uh, let's take a look at that. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name lest we become scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. Then in verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And it says, The people is one. It sounded like the English was messed up there a little bit, but anyway, it said, you know, people plural, but they became one. People is one, and they have all one language, and that they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Nothing. Now, we're going to use, this seems a negative type example here, but we're going to take a look at this, because he said they became one, and nothing will restrain them. And, and they can do anything that they imagined to do. Now, there's power in that unity. There's a power in the agreement, and we see that manifest here. It's, now, to go build a tower is not necessarily a wrong thing. People build tires today all the time, big skyscrapers, whatever. That is not around, and necessarily wasn't even a wrong thing that they built, just the tower itself. But here's where their error was. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. When God said, there shall be no other. Amen? So they're breaking commandment number one. So this is where the error began to come in. Uh, So they had a wrong purpose. But when people come into agreement in unity, and they have one vision, and they're all saying the same thing, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So let's talk about agreement in the body. And we're going to use that example some more at the Tower of Babylon a little bit. But it says, first of all, God sets, He has order in the church. And He sets a leader. Some call him a set man, some, you know, a, a pastor, a evangelist, a, a prophet, or a, 
or an apostle, whatever. They, you know, they're all elders. All those titles end up becoming an elder. And, and uh, Paul and Silas went out and they started churches and set an elder over them. So you have, you have an elder set over them. Someone who God has chosen to bring into to, to the leadership of the church. And it's the same principles that we find in the family that I spoke about later. God puts that order and there's decisions that have to be made. Now, I remember years ago when I was pastoring in the church, and uh, it took years for the independent American people and for me to understand uh, and to, for, for them to accept me as the leader uh, of the church. Um, and what came out of that was where the enemy was able to come in and bring division from time to time. And we began to pray and seek God. Lord, we need this pattern broken and and the Lord began to show us about unity. But one of the things that happened one Sunday morning was my wife got up one morning and the Lord gave her a word for the church. And she began to pray and seek God about it and uh, gave her a word. And the word was, out of this diophany, I will create a symphony. And some of you remember that. But uh, uh, she got that word and, and she went, oh, well, what's a diophany? Pulled the dictionary open, wasn't there. So she kept praying, Lord, I'm, did I hear you or what, you know? And she thought, ah, oh, music. She pulled open her, her music dictionary and she looked up the word diophany. And a diophany is when the orchestra and all the instruments are, are tuning up their instruments, getting ready to play. So you have this sound. And what that means, everybody's doing their own thing. So God was saying, everybody in the church is doing their own thing. So that's what you got, a diophany. He said, out of this, I'm going to bring forth a sound. And I'll bring forth my sound, you know, and for all those that were here, be a part, we're going to be blessed. And he was going to, you know, bring this forth. So, um, of course, that's what happened. And we find that there's, uh, uh, um, you know, there's power and victory in that kind of unity. And that's exactly what happened. And the Lord brought forth a sound. And we're standing today in Jesus' name. In the Old Testament, it says that if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, they won't know what do and to go to battle or to go what to do so God has given us a sound here at the church and we're going forward and he brings that unity together now one of the ways that I noticed during this time uh, you know who you know one of the things I've noticed to see if a person was you know kind of united with the church or not uh, sometimes for for you know I'd hear people say well well uh, Pastor Hall your church and after I listen to that and I would think well I thought it was our church. I thought it was your church. That's all right if you're new and you're just beginning, you know, that's okay. But if you're three or four years into this thing and it's still my church, there's something wrong. <laughs> you know, that you haven't got a buy-in yet. You need to buy in. So what, what, what we have there is a, a, a lack of unity that causes a lack of power and strength. I remember when I first pastored in New England, I would come in on Sunday and I would get up behind the pulpit, I'd get up on the stage and pray behind the pulpit as people walked in, and I couldn't see them as they walked in. And as they walked in, I could sense, as I was praying, those that walked in, uh, I, sometimes I would feel strength and I would feel power. Some would come in, I wouldn't, you know, I, I could hear them coming in, but I didn't sense anything. And then others would come in and said, oh man, I feel like I got a battle, I got a fight here, there's an issue. And uh, uh, what I began to do, I, I kind of looked back, who was that, who was that? And then later, I was there praying, and I said, let's see how this works. So I'm praying, and, and someone came in. I said, that's so-and-so. And, I, and, and this lady came in. She was a prayer warrior, and she prayed, sought God. And I, and I turned and looked, 
Got that one right. And then someone's come in. Well, I wasn't really sure, but that might be so-and-so. They're kind of they're neutral, you know. And I look back, yeah, that was so-and-so. And then a certain person came in, and they had all these issues. And I said, man, I know who that is. Anyway, uh, I was right on that one, too. But the point is, you can feel the strength when people are in agreement. And when you come into agreement in, in the will of God and His pattern plan in a church, in your marriage, there is power released and there's strength. And, and when we as a church come together, people walk in, they sense that. They sense that power and presence because of the agreement there, and God inhabits that. Amen? So it's a wonderful and a beautiful thing that we see uh, taking place uh, when that happens. So uh, what happens again is an individual is more like neutral. So uh, neutrality, uh, being neutral in that case, then it's a dangerous place. It's a place where... I'm running out of time. (laughs) It's a place where people... uh, It's a dangerous place. This is where you can become vulnerable, and the, the, the words that begin to come forth, you, become, you, you begin to, uh, the, uh, basically what happens is you, you have an ear that the enemy can, can use. And if that happens, then what, what then becomes, you become a part of some, for the enemy, is trying to build a tower, uh, trying to build something for themselves. So uh, build themselves a tower. So who does God give the vision to the church? He gives it to the leader of the church. And uh, the question is, can you lay down your desires, ideas, and come into agreement? <laughs> you know, he, he gave the vision to the leader. He, he didn't give it to you. And you say, well, that's, that, it's easy for you to say, Pastor, you know, because I pastored and had the vision. But one day there came a day and I couldn't get the vision. The vision wasn't coming that year. And the Lord, I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, I gave the vision to your son. Now, he's the pastor because God gave him the vision. So now I've got, I've got to yield my desires to a new leader. So at times, I mean, sometimes it was hard. You're going to be tested in your submission to God's order in the church, in the family, on the job, wherever it might be. You will be tested. And you're going to be tested in it until you get it. <laughs> After you get it, it becomes a whole lot easier. I went through a lot of that in the past. I was able to handle this pretty much easily because I learned how to submit and come into agreement with God's plan and what He was doing. So, uh, you know, we, we're not going to learn it in heaven. Uh, that'll be too late. Uh, that's, uh, Lucifer had a problem and he got kicked out for trying to... You know, he, he had a hard time trying to get it done in heaven. Now, I myself, uh, I'm submitted also in another organization, Revival Fellowship International. I'm submitted to Dr. John and, and uh, Polis and his leadership. And you know what, sometimes some things come up and I'm not so sure about. You know, I, I said, well, I don't know if I agree with that or not. And I'm not so sure we need to do it this way. And, uh, you know what I do? I just put it up a little bit, and I began to pray. And I pray. One of two things always happens. One of two. Number one, I either come into greater enlightenment, and then I go, ah, I understand. Or number two, it just goes away. It no longer is. It, just, it, it, never, is, it never is an emphasis anymore. It's never, it just, if it's a program, it just dies. It just goes away. It just don't happen. So I have found that there's great blessing 
in faithfulness and consistency. Just give it time. That's what you need to do in your marriage, on the job, in the church. So what happens when unity is attacked? In the Tower of Babel, can it happen today? Yes, it does. And this is how it normally happens. It happens through words. Words that are opposite of the Word of God, negative words, gossip, those kind of things, where a stronghold is being built. Now, stronghold is a mindset. We've taught that many times. It's not some kind of rocks and sticks built upon the mountain and, and God sent the prophets in to ca- cast those uh, uh, you know, high places down. Mountain means and referring to a place of authority. So what Satan tries to do is to establish authority in your mind, in your marriage, or in your church, or in your nation. And he tries to establish this authority, which is a mindset, and what it must happen, we must overthrow it. He's trying to make a name for himself. Um, a stronghold is built by the agreement of the saints, whether it's good or bad. We have the power to destroy uh, with, with our agreement, with our words. Now, destroy or to build. It can go either way. Let's look at Proverbs 18.21. We're going to move quickly here. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Agreement is the place of power. The fruit thereof is the blessing. You have the power of the tongue. Uh, in the world, the world, the devil doesn't have authority over you or the church or in the church or in the world. The saints have the authority. We need to come in line with what God is doing in the world today. We need to uh, uh, agree with Him and what He's doing. Now, uh, there's a mindset, a stronghold, the church in the in America, and here's what this mindset sounds like. It sounds like this: Well, the church is getting weaker. The church is getting smaller. The world is getting more and more evil. And uh, one day, then um, God's going to come back and just catch us out. We're going to leave. You know, uh, you know, Jesus is going to return. Of course, He's going to return, and. Uh, but the mindset is that the, the church is getting weaker and the enemy is oppressing more and more. We find that that mindset, that stronghold is predominantly held in America. It's not held in the Christian churches in the rest of the part of the world. We get fed lies all the time on TV, radio, wherever the case might be, or politicians. It don't matter which camp you're in. It don't matter, man. They all spin in a web. But the, bottom, the point is that, uh, let me give you a question here. What is the predominant uh, uh, what's the fastest growing religion in the world? What's the fastest growing? A lot of people say, well, I think it's Muslims or something. No, the fastest growing religion in the world is Christianity. It's growing at rapid paces all around the world. And in the Muslim countries, what's the fastest growing religion? Christianity. In Pakistan, I've got to share some things I learned from a minister. And, and uh, the Christian radio program in Pakistan. You say they got a Christian radio in Pakistan? Yes, they do. And here's what they did just a few months ago. They said, any of you want to know about Jesus Christ, gather outside the, the city over here in this particular area. 250,000 Muslims came, and they got up and they preached from the Koran about Jesus, uh, where it's mentioned, I don't know, 12, 13 times in the Koran. And then they, then they went 
right into the Word of God and uh, begin to preach about Jesus. And 80% of them gave the heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. This was just a few months ago in Pakistan. They went to another city, 700,000, did the same thing. 80% of them came in. If you want to see somebody saved in Iran, the best way to teach uh, to witness to someone in Iran is to say this, Have you seen Jesus? Because Jesus has revealed... I've been hearing about this for years. He's revealing Himself all the time to people in Iran. And you ask them, and the majority will say yes, and then the door's wide open. You begin to tell them the story. Christianity is moving in all these Muslim countries and around the world. The church around the world sees a victorious church. It sees a church going forward with power and might. And I'll tell you what, they're in agreement with what God's doing today. How about us? Amen? I believe, and we just, we just continue to come in agreement with what God is doing. Now, um, let's go to this statement. The greatest destruction comes in disunity. The greatest anointing comes in unity. So what do you do when unity threatens? You go to the Lord in prayer. And, you, and, and here's what you don't do. You don't say, Lord, get them. <laughs> because when you pray like that, it becomes witchcraft. And literally, the, you have the power of death and life in your, your tongue. And you create witchcraft prayers. The enemy is empowered to bring destruction against God's people. Because usually it's within the people within the church. I left all that out. We'll preach that some other time. So what do you do? You pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you pray the restoration. You can go to Psalms 35. You can look that up some other time. Pray that chapter. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places. This is what we're fighting against. It says, may the enemy be caught in his own snare, but Lord, let them rejoice with with the, those with me of my right to the righteous cause in the sanctuary together. So that's a good chapter, but as long as you remember that you're not praying against people, you're praying against those principalities, you're pulling down that mindset, the stronghold that the enemy has set upon them. So that's what you do when you begin to fight um, for your unity. Because you're going to have to fight for your unity. You've got to fight for it in your marriage. Anybody that's been married any time at all will tell you they're going to f- they had to fight. And they're still fighting. So you're going to have to fight for the unity. In your Christian walk, in your life, for your church, for yourself, for your business, your job, all of it. But you've already won. That's the good thing about it. David said, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. <laughs> Lord, teach us spiritually how to war and to fight. And we take hold of the victories that has already been won for us. Joel prophesied that he, we've been given the power to pull down, pluck up, and destroy. Most of all of that is pulling down the strongholds. But then he said we got the power to build and to plant. And God is calling us to build and plant. And it's the time of building and planting in the body of Christ. I said it's time for us to build and plant and see the flourishing of the blessings and the goodness of God in our lives. If there's no unity in the church, if there's no unity here, there's no power out there. Agreement is a place of power. The anointing flows out of the church to the world. And the last statement says more unity. And the more the unity, more the anointing. More the anointing, more power, and more touching the world. Can you say amen?
Alright, can you come in agreement with what God wants to do here today? Can you come in agreement with His Word? For your marriage, for your job, for your life, whatever the area might be, for the church as a whole. Let's just come in agreement. Let's all stand right now and we come in agreement with what God is doing and saying. And what He's doing and saying here today. You know the truth. You've read the Word. Where's the enemy messing with you? Just take the Word of God and come into agreement with the Word of God. Put the enemy under your feet. The church is victorious. It is always victorious. And we will continue to be victorious all the way through. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you here today. We thank you for the fullness of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you've done here today, the truth that you've given us. And you said the truth would set us free and will make us free. And Lord, we have new truth here today. We have revelation today. So we are victorious in our home, in our family, in our business, in this church, in the body of Christ in America. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bless you. We thank you, Father, for the answer to prayer. In Jesus' holy name, thank you, Lord. Amen and amen.